Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Jerry L. Barrow and critic Katia Woods as we review King Richard, starring Will Smith, Ingenue Ellis, Demi Singleton, and Sania Sidney. Hey, Jerry and Katia, how are you? Great, great. Happy to be here. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. So um, a lot has happened <laughs> this last couple of days. Um, as we mentioned in the intro, we will be talking about King Richard, which is based on the life of Richard Williams, who is famously known as the father of both Venus and Serena Williams. Uh, the film was released simultaneously in theaters. I believe they said it made about $5 million. Um, this opening weekend, and also you can stream it on HBO Max. Um, and of note, the movie is uh, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green. Um, so I thought that we should start, because not only are we going to review the movie, we're also going to talk about the controversy <laughs> surrounding King Richard and the actual existence of this movie, um, which kind of started on Twitter and has just escalated to something that I don't, I don't even know what's going on here. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Katya, because actually you wrote a an opinion piece um, that was featured on NBC News about King Richard. Can you tell us a little bit about the article and kind of leading into what you thought of the movie overall? Um, basically, the article was about what Will and, and Richard had in common as men and and why Will felt he was a good fit uh, for the role. You know what I mean? Because and, and like a lot of us, we were like, nah, y'all don't look nothing alike. How's that going to work? <laughs> but dwelling into it and um, just, you know, watching a lot of interviews and, and reading and experts from his book, uh, it made, I understood better why he wanted to do it, you know, also the complexities of Richard. Uh, we know that Richard is a flawed man. And I don't think there is anybody running around saying he's father of the year. And so just wanted to give some more context why Richard moved the way that he did, what motivated him to be more present in the second marriage than he was in his previous marriage. So that was the crux of it, because I think um, there's a whole generation, we're a little bit older, we remember how he was treated, we remember how the Williams sisters were treated, mm. and it wasn't very nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, um, I remember, I think that Venus and Serena came on the scene, I was like in my 20s. I believe. And I remember, you know, all the press conference with Richard Williams and like, for me, it's like just thinking about them, it just triggers me in certain ways. Cause I, I was thinking I had actually shared an, um, a video from the, I think it was the 1999, uh, 19, it was Indian Wells. No, not Indian Wells. It was the Australia open in 1999. And this was when Venus had the, the beads in her hair and she was penalized a point for her, for her beads falling on onto the thing. So it's like, I think about all of these things. Um, but Jerry, what, what were, what were your thoughts on King Richard? What did you think of the movie? I remember when I first heard about it, like a lot of people, I, I, I questioned Will Smith's casting. I was like, Delroy Lindo is right there. What are you talking about? 
But <laughs> but at watching it, I think Will did a good job of him of embodying um, Richard Williams. And I think he did a he did a good job. I know some people felt like they felt all they saw was Will Smith. But Will is such a dominant figure; it's hard not to see him. Like even in Ali, you know, as good as he was in that, I was like, "That's Will Smith," <laughs> you know. So it's it's hard to escape. Um, but I enjoyed the film. I watched it the other night, and mm-hmm. I learned a lot because I only knew, you know, kind of the surface of their story in the beginning, you know, when they mm-hmm. came out, I knew that they were from Compton. I knew um, what they had, to, a little bit about what they had to endure to get to where they were. And of right. course you knew that their, their father was, it was integral in their, in their development. But I, w- I was happy to see that they included their mother mm-hmm. a lot and shared how much, how involved she was and, um, that it was a team effort. And, you know, to, to Katia's earlier point, he wasn't a perfect person in, in real life or in this film. I don't get this idea that he was, um, you know, made out to be some type of saint by some people when he clearly was a jerk. <laughs> and, and they didn't they didn't sugarcoat that at all um, in the interactions with his with his wife. And, you know, she, her bringing up some of the shortfalls that he had, some of the indiscretions he's had. So I don't get the idea that he was somehow whitewashed or, you know, Mm -hmm. sanitized. I think they did a good job of balancing just how motivated he was to see his children succeed. And I think part of it was he, it was the second time around and he didn't want to mess up. You know, maybe he had, he actually, on my own podcast, I've had this conversation with men whose fathers weren't there for them when they were young, but then they went out, they went ahead to get remarried and their stepbrothers and sisters got a whole different version of the father than they got. And they tried not to be resentful of that and, and instead, you know, tried to applaud their father for being able to grow. It's like, okay, you were a jerk to me. I uh-huh. hope you at least learn from your mistakes and be a better dad to your new kids. Some right. people w- would get be resentful of that, but when when you grow and mature, if you're a twenty something year old and you see your father <laughs> with a new baby, <laughs> you're like, uh-huh. please don't mess this kid up like you messed up me, <laughs> you know. And I think that's what Richard was trying to do, and that's what they portrayed in the film. Mm. Yeah, I remember. I I mean. When the movie was first announced, I, I admit, um, I was sort of like, wait, why is the movie about the Williams sisters, you know, about their dad? So I, I admit I kind of was kind of like raising my eyebrow at that. Um, and then once they cast Will and the whole, you know, project came together, I was just more interested in seeing like, well, especially with the casting. I think for me, the big casting question was where they actually going to cast dark-skinned Black actresses to play Venus and Serena. Like, mm. that's what I was looking at, because I was like, I'm not going for some, you know, Amanda Stenberg-looking guy. <laughs> I, was not, I was, you know, and I was ready for 240, 20, you know, Fenty 240 Twitter to be all up in their feelings about biracial women are Black, too. No. I was like, the, whoever they cast, these, these actresses need to have two Black parents and mm. actually have melanin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was really happy when I saw Sunia Sydney was cast as Venus and also Demi Singleton plays um, 
uh, Serena. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of Sunia Sydney. Um, I knew her from Fast Color. It's this wonderful sci-fi movie with Gugu and Baka Ra. Mm. Um, and just other films that I had seen her with. And I was like, yeah, she's somebody to keep an eye on. And Demi Singleton, I, I wasn't familiar with her work until I saw King Richard. And I thought she was wonderful as Serena. And, you know, we'll talk about the debate, you know, coming coming up. But I, I just really wanted to focus that however people feel about the movie, whatever their debates or controversies, I wanted to lift up those two young Black actresses because the three of us, we've been in this conversation about representation and about diversity and about, I think you guys might remember, this was like two or three years ago, I had put out a challenge on Twitter where I, where I asked, please name at least three Black a-list actresses, not biracial, black, dark-skinned actresses, 30 and under, who are on, on the A-list. And my tweet was out there for months. Nobody ever answered. Everybody was saying, Lapita, Lapita's too old. Uh, Danae Guerrero, she's too... No, I'm like, the, the same way that we're lifting up Anna Taylor-Joy and, you know, all these other up-and-coming white actresses, I'm not seeing that same progress for young black actresses, particularly dark-skinned actresses under the age of 30. So when we when you have an opportunity for a movie like King Richard to have Sunia Sidney and Demi Singleton and for you to be throwing whatever however feelings that you're projecting onto this movie, you're muddling to me, in my opinion, what you're doing is you are undermining the success of these two young actresses. And that really bothers me because I just feel like it's sort of hypocritical where on one hand as black critics and writers, we're the same ones complaining about, oh, where's the representation for dark-skinned actresses? How come they're not getting these A-roll movie roles? And then you have a movie like King Richard, and then it's sort of like you ignore their performances, and then come Oscar time, you'll be the first one to take a fucking writing assignment talking about Oscars so white. How come we don't have any young Black actresses running in the Oscars race? Perhaps you should ask yourself why that is and how you contributed to that, right? And how you're complicit in this erasure of the success of young Black Black actresses, like I said, you can critique the movie all you want, but you cannot deny the talent of these two young Black actresses. That is 1,000% correct. I mean, I yeah. think with the question, I remember you putting that out there, and it is it is very daunting, and it is very, it's annoying, tiresome, mm -hmm. pick an adjective and throw it in there. The mm -hmm. other thing is, we have to do it on the same token with, with the men, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I get they wanted to have a name since the other actors weren't as well known. Like we know on Janae and we know what she brings to the table, mm -hmm. but you know, the rest of the world is finally catching on. So I get getting a name, but I feel like, you know, I had this conversation with a colleague, Hollywood has gotten lazy in introducing new voices Mm -hmm. introducing different like just let's get the best person for the job right exactly. and I like your I, I said Keith Davis you said Delroy uh I believe you said um Rob Morgan so there's three men right that mm -hmm. that have the experience that favor him that yes. are really good actors that we could have gone to in order to get this done and I still feel like Will could have put his weight behind this as a producer. Oh my, right? and then my whole thing also is, is like, we got to get better to be better stewards. And we got to stop thinking that we have to 
you know, be the president, the CFO, the CEA, you know, the director of marketing and say, is this the best choice mm-hmm. for the project? So I definitely think as far as the supporting cast, they got it right. They got two dark skinned actresses that favor that are the age appropriate. They got a actress to play the mom that favors the mom. That is a real mm-hmm. woman that has a real woman shape. They didn't get some mm-hmm. woman that is like a size two, four. And you're like, whose mom is this supposed to be? Yeah. So in that way, they got that portion, right? Mm. No, I, I totally agree with you. Like Anjanou Ellis is just, I mean, I, just quickly, like the, the movie overall, I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, Will's performance, I still saw Will Smith. I mean, the thing is, Richard Williams was such a dynamic character. So I guess in their head, they were like, oh, we need, a, we need you know, star power behind this movie. And also we need somebody as charismatic. But I don't know, Will's char- charisma and Richard, they're kind of vibrating on like, they're on like different vibrations to me. So ultimately, I just saw Will Smith trying to do an impression of, of Richard Williams. I think he tried. <laughs> is, is, is it his best performance? No, <laughs> that I can say. Um, but you know what I mean? Um, I, I appreciate the fact that he did that role, but I agree that there were other actors like Rob Morgan, like uh, Del Orlando or Keith David. There, I think maybe a, more of a character actor, someone who's not, where their celebrity doesn't overshadow the character could have worked. Um, but the, the performances really are really the women. The women really carry this movie. Um, like I mentioned with Demi and Sunia, they were just pitch perfect to me. I love them. Um, I love that they brought a certain black girl innocence to the, to their roles that I think that is so lacking in representation because black girls are sexualized at such a young age that it's very hard to find that softness and that innocence but you know what I mean so I think both actresses definitely nailed that um and Anjanou is just she was just wonderful in this movie she's was already blowing me away with Lovecraft Country her performance in the first season was just incredible um and I think she really she really I mean I think she really made Will work for that (laughs) you know what Mm. I mean because if you're acting against Anjanou Ellis you don't come in you know, given 50%, you need to come in ready to work. Um, right. And I thought she was wonderful at Orsine Price. She just, like, there were certain scenes where I was just tearing up because she had this Black mama energy that I so understood and related to. She reminded me so much of my mom, especially in the scenes where she's going up against Richard and on some foolishness. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you said, Jerry, they didn't paint him to be a saint. There were some things that he was doing that were quite questionable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And or a scene like the scene where he dropped them off at the grocery mm-hmm. store at the bodega, right. you know, in the middle of a neighborhood. And she was like, you going to go back and go get my kids. And that reminded me of so many clashes that my parents had because my father was very much like the strict disciplinarian. And my mom was like, they're kids. You need to give them a break. You know, so those those scenes were very relatable. So I, I really think that between the, the women, they definitely added a shine and a, and a spark to King Richard. Um, so let, let's seg into this, this debate and this controversy surrounding King Richard. Out of all the controversies, I did not see this one coming. I can honestly tell you. Um, so it seems that upon the release of this movie, there were think pieces and critiques and essays 
asking or basically accusing of King Richard. They said that the movie basically decenters Venus and Serena's lives and accomplishments in order to lift up and instead centering a man. Right. So mm. we had a couple of essays. One was written by Allegra Frank at this at Slate. There was I saw a few coming down the pipe that were saying that. Right. Um, right. And then what really caused the firestorm was this white feminist writer called Dr. Jessica Taylor, mm. who came on Twitter and basically said, oh, hey, I tuned into I expected King Richard to be about Venus and Serena. Why is this movie about this man or why is this movie centered on a man instead? And she got eaten up <laughs> in the comments and the retweets and then it just kind of turned to like this, this 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 fireball where it started with her you had and then you had the contingents of people that were pushing back and then you had what was interesting and I'm gonna have to say honestly while a lot of the attention were on these white women and white critics that were accused that were saying that King Richard should not have been about um, the father, and it should have been about Venus and Serena. I did see people from Black Twitter who agreed with that. Okay, and I'm I'm going over to Black feminist Twitter here that were saying I saw a tweet. I'm not going to say her name, but her tweet said that the movie is misogynoir. Wow! Period. That because wow. the movie is not about Venus and Serena, it is misogynoir, and that um, as Black women we need to stop. She went on a whole rant. She was like, we need to stop centering black men. And and I was just reading it. And I was like, and I saw quite a, some black people that agreed with that. That's, um, the, yes, go see, ahead. The thing that concerns me is that they feel like as powerful mm-hmm. and well-known and mm-hmm. rich and influential as Serena and Venus are, that mm-hmm. somehow it never occurred to them <laughs> to do a movie that centered themselves, that they felt like they, they pull, you pulled one over on two of the most impactful athletes of the last 20 years that mm-hmm. you somehow know better than they about mm-hmm. telling their own story. That's mm-hmm. why that that's so funny mm-hmm. to me that they're saying that this is misogynoir, but here you are diminishing the thought processes of these two women to think that they didn't think that this story was, was, was worth telling for them. Because if you watch the movie, it's, it's, or it's an origin story and it leaves so much left (laughs) for the, as far as their careers that can be done. You can still do a separate Venus biopic. You can still do a separate Serena one for sure. Um, Or do another of them together. So, what is wrong with the two of them deciding they want to tell their origin story? And I think it was smart, actually, to center it around their father because they could tackle some of the issues of race and class that maybe now they couldn't do directly because of their status Hmm. and without alienating some of their, you know, their people. But they could center it on their father, which and, and it wasn't it's not like they were lying. This was mm. their reality. This, they didn't just make this up. Mm-hmm. You know, this was their reality. This is what they endured. And their father was their big, was one of their biggest defenders. Their mother too. Say, but that, it. Say so, that. So I just don't understand how, and the word that got batted around, um, hagiography. Like, really? Really? What? Like, like, like yeah. adulatory writing about another person, right? 
mm-hmm. um, the hagiography, which is designed to serve a political agenda. Like, really, like, because he, for one, he's not perfect in this movie. Like, he's far from saintly. Because so what so what I don't know what they were looking for if they were looking for him to be denigrated or to be you know somehow evil but he was he was pretty pretty hard to get along with he agitated everybody around him he agitated the tennis coaches he agitated his wife he agitated his kids at some point like I don't understand how you watched this movie and came away with that Richard Williams was a saint. Like, I, I didn't get that at all. You know what? You know. It's, so, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, no, I mean, no. Go ahead. My whole thing is, like, there are two things going on here. It's just the caucasity for this white woman. First of all, the name of the movie is called King Richard. It's, what did you think? It was Shakespeare? Right. <laughs> like, the idea that you... Mm-hmm. Who don't know these two women from a can of hairspray <laughs> needs to speak for them when they didn't ask you, it didn't include you, and when you wasn't there, did you profess to know more than them? It's mm. like it's it's the whole. It's so insulting that I can't even like. It's like you just want to cut somebody out because it's just you're tired. It's just the whole. I'm so tired of this fake feminism fake intersectionality that doesn't ever benefit us and it's just it needs to stop and also just the further arrogance when she did get dragged up and down the internet that she still was like oh but i think nobody cares karen (laughs) that's the point these two women again and these two women said Mm -hmm. i understand our father is flawed But this is the man that raised us. This is the man who we knew growing up. And let the fact doesn't change. The reason that they are playing tennis is because of him. Now, granted, he is a lot to take in. And and our scene is better than me. Because I'm not too sure we would have lasted that long. But at the end of the day is, with all of the things, and, and again, I also feel like there's a part of me, and I'm thinking, like, there's a part of him that's like, I kind of, I messed up so bad the first time around, and I know what it's like when to be in an, in an environment which predominantly white and no one came for me, and no one protected me. So what I was not going to do is have these two girls out there. Even if I was going to look crazy, even if people were going to make fun of me, what was not going to happen is folks were not going to make fun of them. And that's the thing, too. Now, I don't know why, and you all can really chime in on this. I'm really trying to understand is what exactly the people want. Did people want his other kids to roll up in the movie and it now turn into a telenovela? Like, I don't really understand what is it and why do they feel as though that these conversations weren't had in private about their father's imperfections, like trust the process, in other words. Hmm. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I caught like the concert just when the ball was rolling because I kept seeing the retweets of this woman, of this white woman, um, talking about it, and I and I was just like, I was just getting ready to watch King Richard, and I was like, what is that about? So I kind of put a pin in it. It's like, let me watch the movie and let's see what's what's going on here. And 
I mean, I'll just be honest with y'all. I think this debate of why is King Richard, why couldn't y'all have a movie about Venus and Serena? Why, why is this movie about their father? I honestly think that this debate is fucking stupid. It is stupid. It is stupid. And the people who are leading it are the stupid people. Now, here's a part that I really have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Film criticism is not the film you want to see. We all we all have been to movies and we would be like, you know what? The movie mm. really is these three characters, but that's not what they gave us, right? Right. We got whatever this was, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Our job isn't to recast and remold and re you know <laughs> rewrite the script. Our job is to say the studio and the artist is telling us this is the type of film that mm-hmm. we've made, right? This was our goal. Now you could sit there and go, okay, you achieved it, or no, it was a hot mess. Review the film that you were presented. In that slate review, the issue, again, that I have with her is that she reviewed a film that wasn't up on the screen. She reviewed a film and then turned it into a fantasy spin. And I blame her as much as the editor who wasn't like, hold on a minute, that ain't the movie that was made. I understand. Mm -hmm. But if do you want to write a piece? an op-ed, a feature, where you get into where it would have been better served to center the girls more, then we can do that. But a review is about the thing that we saw, not the thing that you would have liked to have seen. No, I I totally agree with you. Um, And uh, you bring up an excellent point of how this is sort of the direction that film criticism has taken. I'll say online film criticism is that... um, you know, they're just sort of like, well, I would have wanted this movie again. This movie was announced two years ago. Okay. This was no surprise. That, to be honest with you, it felt like Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Like, how are you as a film critic if you know, if, if you're on top of your ish, you knew this movie was coming, right? We saw the trailer. We, so I don't understand why you would start arguing as to, well, why wasn't it? Well, you already knew what this movie was about. And this, this brings me to another point about what makes me what annoys me about lazy film criticism or entertainment journalism is that Google is your friend. (laughs) Like before you wrote this article talking about like Venus and Serena did a red table talk with Will Smith the week or the week before. And they, and also in other interviews that they found Venus and Serena have said ad nauseum as to why this is the story that they wanted to tell about their father right and if they said this in the interview they were like we've been approached we've had multiple projects and scripts and pitches coming our way to trying to tell our stories and that's the ones that they saw they didn't like it or this wasn't the one that they wanted to attach their names to but serena said it best she was like you cannot tell the story of venus serena and serena without telling the father the, the story of richard williams so mm. to me as a daughter um you know, I haven't always had the best relationship with my dad. My dad and I are just kind of starting to mend our relationship because we went at one point where we didn't talk to each other for like 10 to 15 years. And for me, for Venus and Serena, they're very well aware of their father's shortcomings. There's a reason why we have not seen Richard Williams promoting this movie because they're estranged from him, right? But I feel like in a way for you to still 
whatever issues you may have with your father and to still find space in your heart to be like, but I'm going to honor him. Whatever problems and shortcomings or whatever he has, I'm holding him accountable for that. But also having and holding that space in your spirit where you can acknowledge what he did for you. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think that makes Venus and Serena less feminist. I don't think it decenters their story because again, when you watch King Richard, there's a reason why Sunia, Sydney, and Demi Singleton were cast because they are much a part of the story as Will is, right? They're in that they're in almost every scene. Yes, Will is the Bill star, but there's very much a presence of Venus and Serena. Now, if you if you had presented a movie of King Richard where the actresses were uncredited and we only saw Venus and Serena, you know, in like these distant shots, you know, hitting a ball, then yes, then that would be a conversation that I would gladly have. But at least to me, in my opinion, I did not feel that Venus and Serena were, de- were decentered in their story. And again, this movie is just a snapshot of the few years from when they started, you know, learning t- tennis to when Venus had her first competition as a pro. So this is not even a definitive you know, cradle to grave biopic. That's at not all. At, at all. So there's so many. So at that snapshot that this movie is in, things were good. Or, you know, like there were problems. But at, at the very least, the relationship he had with Venus and Serena and his other daughters were strong. You know what I'm saying? So all the stuff that we know about Richard after, the, the movie doesn't cover that because they didn't go that far. You know what I mean? You brought up a really good point. And I really, I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say, Jill, because you're, you are a black father. So the other point, like you brought up a good point to say that these girls didn't take, um, these ladies, excuse me, did not take agency over their career is a bunch of BS because there was that severance, just like Beyonce and her father, where they said, you know what? We love you. You got us this far, but we're not little girls anymore. We're grown women. And these are the directions that we want to take with our career. And this is how we want to train with this individual. And we want to do X, Y, and Z. And that was also, you know, very much discussed how that was hard for Richard. And exactly like you said is he, you wouldn't see him at tournaments anymore. You would see just the mom and, and, and the sisters. And again, the, what people also don't know is that the three girls that he helped raise were um, Orsine's da- daughters from her first marriage. She was a widow and mm. he helped raise them. So again, you want to go in about him not being a good dad to his other kids, do that all day, every day. But the man that they had in the house, faults and all, was there for them, pushed them and helped them become the women that they wanted to become. And, you know, we, I think, for us as, as black girls, it's hard to have a relationship with your father when you grow up and you start having your own ideals and you go in a different direction. You can say, I don't agree with my dad, but you're not going to discount things. I just don't understand why people think that these two very extremely successful, and it's exactly what you said, Rebecca. Like I watched tons of interviews just containing to this project, the EW interview, where Serena said that you can't tell the story with, without the father, um, where they continuously have said, even their mother, who does very few interview, interviews, by the way, said on the red table, he came up with the plan. Again, hmm. in the Slate article, their, the author was very dismissive of like, oh, the plan. And again, 
there is something going on in film criticism because it's opinion-based where people don't think they have to do any type of research to back up their opinions, where people don't take the time out and pause and say, hey, because, you know, we see a lot of stuff, especially this time of year in a film like King Richard or we're getting screeners. It's okay to put the cassette in or hit the screener and say, let me go back and make sure I didn't misinterpret this or whatever you have there. But this rush to be first is what's giving this. And like I said, is I blame a lot of these editors who are very gung-ho in having Black writers or Black-facing writers write trash hit pieces on Black culture, mm-hmm. on Black stories without any type of foundation because they know move. And what's even worse is that then you have all these other white critics who never were for us, but like us in this space saying, well, we found the two black people that feel like we do. So therefore we can use that point of view to give our racist and prejudiced tropes without seeming like we're racist or prejudiced. Mm. I think what happened with some of the critics is that they couldn't relate to what was going on. They couldn't relate to the origin story and they were kind of resentful because beyond just race, there's a class element to this film as well that I think a lot that some of them can't relate to either. And having that put in their face and then having to digest that and then analyze it was more than they wanted to handle, Hmm. quite frankly. So it was easier for them to say, well, I don't like this film because it's talking about, you know, when you when you say the man and divest him from being their father Hmm. and you, you know, you're you're it feels like they're divesting from, you know, Venus and Serena's roots like they would much rather just focus on the glamour you know, the current day, the money, the the trophies and all that other stuff. Forget about how things started. <laughs> you know, we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to talk about that. That's that's ancient history. But Venus and Serena, in their, you know, in their wisdom to me and in, in being subversive, we're going to say, hey, we're going to remind you where we came from. And mm. how exactly we got here. So you can't just make us these these magical Negroes that you've that you've created in your head. You know, right. we came from Compton. My father mm. took beatings from gang members, <laughs> you know, just so we could play tennis. Like, don't leave that part of the story out. But now all and they they've gotten they've seen all the Vanity Fair covers and all that stuff and like, oh Venus and Serena are wonderful the winners. But do you realize where they came from and all the neglect that they had to overcome and why the 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 person who helped not who who's in, instrumental in them overcoming that was their father. Not just a man. This wasn't a they didn't she made it sound like they made the story about their husbands. Or like their their English teacher, like oh my god, they made this. This is the man who helped give them life. Like why does oh, the reduction of it was was definitely disheartening to me. You know, as yeah, a dad, kicked so that they could play ten. Like all right. of that is right. true. They're like I'm like there are still people alive who live in that neighborhood, remembering seeing the Williams sisters out there on these courts gang members that were like, yeah, we made sure that they were good because we saw ourselves in them and we're like, if they're going to make it, then that's a possibility for us getting out of this. I mean, I'm like, how do you, it's just, it's just, it's exactly what you said is they saw the film. We all saw the same film, but they came out of there and they processed it and started inferring a whole bunch of stuff 
that isn't even in the movie. And it's a shame because we're now talking about, we should, the discussion should be, uh, Will allegedly is the front runner for best Oscar. Is that a worthy front runner position? Does he deserve it, right? Mm. Uh, we should be talking about how Anjane is finally getting her flowers and hopefully that opens doors for her to get bigger parts and her get her paycheck that she deserves. Hopefully we'll see more things from the girls because we all know, like Rebecca said, you have these two talented young actresses, but we don't want it to be one and done. And next thing you know, we, we don't see them until 20 years from now in a Lifetime movie. So these are all things that we should be talking about. And even more importantly, about the quality of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right. we're not. We're yeah. doing the foolery. Yeah, because that was something that I had to, because I had somebody... <clears throat> Um, I was tweeting about the debate and how I was saying it was trash, right? It was a specific tra- uh, tweet that was talking about Demi Singleton and uh, Sinia Sidney. And this person, again, I'm not don't quote, I'm not going to mention their name, but they quote tweeted me. And let me tell you something. I'm just going to say it here. If you quote tweet me, you're going to get that same energy back. Period. I don't care whether you have one follower or 500,000 followers. Because a quote tweet means you're stepping to me and I'll step back in turn. And so she quote tweeted me and she was like, oh, well, yeah, uh, black people are not above critique. Nobody said that. Clearly you did not read the assignment, man, or you would not have quote tweeted me so quickly. This is not, this debate is not about whether the movie should be critiqued or not. We're talking about the questioning of as to why this movie was made and this erasure of Venus and Serena's um, agency in the fact that they are executive producers of this movie, right? And there's lots of extras. Again, Google is your friend. There were um, HBO, there were uh, movie extras like Venus and Serena actually visiting the set of the movie, right? Um, and actually meeting the younger actresses that met them. And it's just the cutest segment ever because they're just like, their eyes are just as big as saucers and everything. Um, but yeah, like there's plenty of proof. Like, I guess for me, the, the reason why the debate was stupid is that because the question was already answered. Multiple mm. times. By the way. You know what, too? It's, it's, girl. And then here's the other problem. Have these other folks, you look at through comments and you're like, oh, I heard, I didn't see it. Have several seats. Oh, that's the and worst. You know, that's the worst. You got on Al Gore's internet to have a dispute with somebody and you haven't even seen it because you heard or the conversation was like, I mean, like, Lord, they got Bernice King mm-hmm. commenting on this. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> it. like, it's just, I'm like, it, it isn't. And again, what I had a problem with this young woman, and here's my other issue, maybe because we are from a different generation. Mm-hmm. You said what you said. And you made it a point to put that review out there, right? Right. And I come from hip hop. I started my career in, in hip hop interviewing. And maybe because, you know, I got trial by fire and rappers are crazy. <laughs> how are you going to write and trash and say the things that are coming off your pen? And now you're going to protect your tweets because people are holding you and pushing back. Like the conversation is a two-way conversation. Like do the arrogance to think that you can 
trash people's work. And you know, a lot of our fellow critics are out there like, this is the worst thing ever. This is a one star and blah, blah, blah. Like they be going in. But the moment someone goes like, you've crossed a lot. You've gotten malice. You made a personal X, Y, and Z. Then it's like, oh, I can't believe I got to get off Twitter, blah, blah, blah. But it was cool when you were throwing the grenade. When somebody else said, hold up, I'm going to push back. And I'm like, I always say that. I said, if I critique your work, you have every right to push back and say, I don't agree with you. As long as it's respectful, go Mm -hmm. in, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to change my review, but you have a right to say, I didn't get your work. All of that stuff, go in. I am not going to hide behind my tweets. There will be no, I will not be leaving town. But these folks, they threw it and then they want to be like, I can't believe what people are upset with me because what you said Mm. wasn't about the movie. It was on some other stuff. And and work that out in therapy, please. Right. I mean, speaking to the Allegra Frank, this, this is the writer in question who had written this slate piece um, saying that the movie had decentered Venus and Serena. And, you know, there were there was definite pushback. But I, I just want to make something clear. Um, I didn't know this, but find out about this later is that part of the reason why she protected her tweets was she was getting like, I think someone tried to dox her. I think there was doxing involved. Something was going on. It was some sort of violation or whatever. And I don't think that's ever, ever cool. No, I think, it's not. Yeah, I think what's happening. to the writing. But yeah. I would like her at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, I don't know if she will, but I would like her at some point take ownership of what she wrote and not necessarily, uh, and I said that, I'm like, it's not okay to post her picture, right? So Mm -hmm. people can basically like, oh, if I see you on the street, let me run up on you. Any of her personal information, that's not cool. The discussion is about the article. I don't know old girl. You know what I mean? For most people are like, she's a good writer, blah, blah, blah. People that know her say that she's a good soul. I'm just saying you have to be comfortable, not the disrespect and anything crazy, but you do have to own what you write and you do have to be willing to say, or even let's say in a situation, let's say you've got something wrong and none of us are perfect. Perfect. We all gotten things wrong. Take the L and say, you know what, upon further investigation and taking a moment to review this, I approached this the wrong way. My intent was X, Y, and Z, and the execution came out this way. Right. But by then, they've already taken the check and they've already, you know, tweeted it out. So folks on Twitter in particular are not really big on pivoting. Yeah. Because the first thing people say is, oh, well, now you're a hypocrite. And that's one of the worst things about Twitter. You can't change your mind. I think what's what's scary about this situation, and I've been thinking about this, thinking on this all day, is that the the accusation, right? The initial accusation was decentering Venus and Serena is misogynoir, right? But then I'm thinking to myself, you you depriving these two black women of telling the story is misogynist. Exactly. Right? But then it but then it becomes like it becomes this whole mess of misogynoir because then like the way that black women uh you know who may have a different opinion or, so it's just people are just throwing misogynoir back and forth at each other. <laughs> can we just stop? Can we just can we just calm like 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 just quiet things down and for me ultimately like you said, Jerry, there are a lot of people saying this is a hate. Is that a hate mm-hmm. Right. And you know, 
listen, I think that's up to interpretation. I think Candace Frederick wrote a, a piece saying that that's how she felt about the, um, how she felt about the biopic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like for me, like I don't have any debate whether you hate or love King Richard. My whole thing is like, just tell me about, it was like you said, Katya, just give me the review. The acting. Right. what it is. I'm right. like, I really, I watched it again with my family yesterday because I was like, did I see a different movie? Like what had happened, yeah. right? And because yeah. I had, I'd saw it before I did, I went to LA and I was out in LA for six days. I said, well, maybe my brain is numb, but I'm like, no, I'm like, it's still okay. We good here. And, 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 you know, I even said this to my husband my husband's like, no, Richard, Richard has a lot of moments in here where he's getting rightfully dragged. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, we all have films that we watch and we're going, this would have been better if they cut it by 40 minutes. If make, mm. they had cast someone up, we all have those feelings. Yeah. But we got to work with what we got. You know what I mean? It's not what we would have liked to have gotten. And, and therefore you, you can write, you can write a different piece. And it, again, I cannot stress this enough. We also need, I'm very, it troubles me when a white editor mm-hmm. edits art made by black people and they don't have the the range or the agency to stop this before it goes to print and say rework this i'm always grateful when an editor says i think i know what your intent is let's do a pulse check was this your intent Mm. if so that's not what's reading here we need to rework that and that's okay that's what they're there for, you know? But I just feel like a lot of these editors just let people say whatever, and they're just basically making sure that the commas and the spelling is okay, not the tone, and just send it out there. And, you know, the Slate is loving this because it's driving traffic to their site, yep. Yep. And, 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 and they don't care if it's, you know, whatever. Well, and, that's and, what and, drives the decisions for a lot of the publishers and the editors that you speak of. And I'm speaking as one. They're looking at the numbers. And even right. when they assign a review, there's, when they assign a review, they assign any story, they're like, what is the angle that is going to get us the most visibility? And they, when they, to, to your earlier point, when they see that a Black writer is willing to say something negative about a Black film they know that that's going to get them some engagement that they couldn't have gotten if it was a white, if it was a white critic criticizing mm. a black film. So mm. they're saying, okay, win, win. And this is, this is what gets us these types of angles because they want to get the controversy. They want to get what's going to get evoke an emotional response from people. Um, and, but, but the, the backside of that is, is that people will respond and they will come for you. For, you, mm-hmm. you can't have it both ways. I don't think anyone should be abused or doxxed or anything. I think that's just taking it too way too far. Um, but you have to be able to defend your point of view. If, if defend what you wrote, everything you rewrite that you wrote down. If it's if it's how you feel, you better be prepared to defend it because you're putting it out there. You're getting paid for it. You can't just take all the accolades and the traffic for it and then don't want to take any of the shade. Mm. I'll I'll say something real quick now, and I hope for any women, Black women journalists and critics who are listening to this, please hear me and hear me clearly, all right? A lot of these mainstream publications, and let's just say white, okay? And Jerry, you touched on this, this Mm -hmm. idea of 
finding, you want to put a, a negative review or a negative spin on some aspect of black culture, they know that they cannot use a white journalist or a white writer to do it. So they'll get us to do the dirty work for them. Okay. Hear me clear. And, and when I say this, I'm not saying that a negative review is that I'm talking, if that's what you truly believe and you can, like Jerry said, you can defend your position. A negative review to me is not a knock against black culture, but I'm talking about hit pieces and you know what I'm talking about. Okay. You need to be very clear in your intent of what you're going to write. Know that this is going to be put on a mainstream platform. Right. And what I'm what I'm noticing and I've been noticing this is this is why I need black women writers to hear me carefully on this. You have a lot of white outlets that will that will cut the check, make you write these controversial pieces. Right. Which will drive traffic. But in in all of that, you're the one that gets dragged. Right. And let me be clear about the fact that these outlets will not protect you. I've seen this too many times since I've been on Twitter. Lots of well-meaning young black women writers writing pieces that are factually incorrect, culturally incorrect. They posted up, like, I'll give you an example. A cup, a few years ago, I think it was Vogue. I believe it was Vogue or uh, one of those high fashion magazines. They had a young black woman writer talk about Tim's, right? So I think Mariah Carey had been walking around with like the high, the high heel Tim's or something like that, or there were white celebrities walking around with it. Mm-hmm. And she credited she credited the high heel Tims to Hollywood actresses no. <laughs> no. for years. No. For years, that was not. That's not fucking. You know, insert white actress that that made white. You know, mm. that made high heel Tims hot. We've been had that in the hip hop culture for years and decades. Nobody stopped her because number one, I'm guessing her editor was another white. Was was a white person who know who knows nothing about hip hop culture history and posted it and guess what mm. she got ate the fuck up. Mm. People were posting pictures of Mariah Carey, Lil Kim, you know, pick, stock pictures from the nineties and going into the early two thousands. Like no boo boo, this is right. <laughs> high heel Tims are not new in Hollywood. Okay, we made that shit hot and the she Manolo got <laughs> and she had to protect her tweets and. I was looking for the outlet to, you know, post an apology or nothing. They left her out. I've seen this too many times where they use younger black writers who may not have a grasp on the history of what they're writing. The stuff they write is just factually incorrect. It drives traffic for the site. The writer gets dragged. They have to protect their, wash, rinse, repeat. And so I just need, I really need black writers to pay attention when you're being approached to write a story Try to understand if there's an agenda behind that is what I'm going to say. 100%. -hmm. I said that I'm very fortunate that I am financially in a position in my life. And I get it that not everybody is there. I'm older. My child is older. You know what I mean? We halfway through this college trip. But I am very weary of people that want to hire us especially I have talked about this at nauseam and I will continue to talk about this at nauseam. Mm-hmm. I am tired of these outlets looking for us, black women, women's mm-hmm. history month, uh, black history month, Latinx uh, history month, you mm-hmm. name it, whatever, whatever slash we fit. Mm-hmm. I get very insulted when I get that email. Oh, we would love for you to contribute something. And I go to the site and I go, but you ain't got no black people on staff. So if you love us so much, 
Or the thing I see is two black men. I had this conversation with an editor. I'm not going to say who it was, but it's a prominent site. And I go, why don't you have any black women writers? Well, during this week, we found one. We have these two guys. And I was like, as I'm reading this, right? I go, oh, Jesus. Like, it's really bad. I go, let me help you with something. Black men and women, we have a lot of things in common. Hmm. I am like, I don't know what it feels like as a black man to stand in a corner and try to hail a cab and a cab go by you. What I do hmm. know how to be is a good ally and say, I'm not going to have my brother stand out here with his arm while all the cabs pass by. I'm going to be a shield and get him that cab and be like, bro, go be great. But I don't know what that it's like. And a black man should talk about that and what, how mm. demeaning that feels. I can empathize. I can be a thing of support. The same thing with us as black women. This is why I was really upset that black women were not getting a chance to write about passing, especially on these platforms like Rotten Tomatoes. People were hiring white women. They were talking about everything but the racism, the colorism, things that we are still dealing with today. How, you know, the respectable black woman, like if you don't come from a certain background, all of that is very much real. So no, you don't get to use me to look like the diversity trope and that you have black women voices when in reality, we're just the hired gun to make you look good. Mm. And it's exactly what you said is we got to be a little bit more discerning or if we do have equity to say, okay, but I, I'm going to bring on a black editor to work with me. You mm-hmm. can't edit my piece because right. I know you're not going to understand where I'm coming from. And also I feel like we got to be better as a community if we can afford to do so and say, you know what? I appreciate the offer, but this is a piece that should be written by a black man. Mm-hmm. And here are some names of really good writers that are going to do bomb things with this piece and vice versa. We need to be better stewards for one another. And I think, again, you have a lot of white editors that are like, I found my black person that mirrors my point of views. I get to check up that diversity box. I get the clicks and I don't have to put myself, I don't have to stand in the way when they get the grenades. Yep. Yep. And I'm telling you, these white outlets are just like, what? Did you hear something? And then you're just the one, you're that black writer who's just out there getting all these slings and arrows. And again, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with you writing a critical review of a movie. If there's a black movie that's out and you don't like it, that's fine. Please write that. But just understand that if, if these are, again, mainstream outlets that are only specifically coming to you to write negative things about like when there's not a balance where it's like, Oh, do you want to talk about this movie? Oh, you said you liked it. If it's only, Oh, I heard that so-and-so movie is under controversy. Oh, I heard blah, blah, blah. If that's what's going on, then you probably need to take a step back and be like, okay, why is it they're, they're only reaching out to me when it's Mm -hmm. negative reviews of anything of black culture, but never, Hey, here's this list of like amazing actresses, black actresses, I think. Oh no, we'll pass on that. And then when it's an Oscar contender, they can't even find a black writer to talk. The black writer can't get near them. No. And you know, that, and you know that's happened to us when a movie gets a little bit of buzz mm-hmm. and the black press is there to support. And then all of a sudden there's some Oscar buzz and you can't find any black writers around that talent. Anymore. Say that ish. Like, or, <laughs> or here's the other one. 
when we ask to support said thing, right? Because mm-hmm. we all get the screeners where we're like, this ain't the thing you're supposed to be pushing. This is the dope mm-hmm. thing, right? right? I feel that way with Apple TV. I understand why you're pushing this, but nobody cares about that, especially in our mm-hmm. community because ain't nobody that looks like us on this. Right. These are the shows that you really should be giving us access to and that we want to inform the community that there is content for them on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when the clicks ain't happening and it's not going in the way because the gossips and the shade rooms and the Jasmine guides aren't getting them the traffic that they want, then they start going through the Rotten Tomatoes list and they start Mm -hmm. going, oh, here are all the black critics. Hey, can you write a review for us for Rotten Tomatoes? Because we only have six reviews or we're not getting the traction that we need for the show. Mm -hmm. I'm nobody's backup dancer. Either you believe in me from Mm. the beginning or we not. And what you're not going to do is press me. Or there's another movie that that is out that I think really could use our support. But here's how it works for the Tribune. They're not going to give let me lead off the art and entertainment section for Friday, which is their big push for weekend stuff. Yeah. Uh, with just a review. We're going to need an interview. And no disrespect. Not with the co-co-co-star. We're going to need it with at least the number one or two person on the call sheet. And then it's like, oh, yeah, don't treat us like we're inferior or our content or our outlets are inferior. And know the difference between our journalistic sites and our media sites. And again, no shade to the shade room, boss of, you know, they got their role in this thing. But it ain't the same thing what we do. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I can I can spend a whole other podcast talking about that, but I'm I'm not gonna take a post. <laughs> like, you know what it is? Like I'm not competing with that. Mm-hmm. I like I I like my my messy TV, mm-hmm. but I'm not talking about who's dating who, who yelled at who, who threw a. T- that's never. I, there's not one article with my name on it. So what makes you think? Or the other thing is that that I've been getting is. Well, so-and-so show is struggling, and this is a prominent person, mm-hmm. and um, that feel felt when they rolled out their show, they didn't need to do Black media, they didn't need to do local radio, they didn't need to do Black newspapers, right? Mm-hmm. Show is struggling. Now they're trying to hustle backwards. I'm like Tamron Hall, when she launched her um, TV show, she she went to Temple like I went to Temple. She came here to ABC NBC, she did all the local affiliates, right? That carry her show. She did black radio. She did it all. And Tamron Hall was on NBC. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that your butt doesn't need to do that? Like that's the stuff that really be killing me. And that's why I'm always like, we have to start drawing the line and have to be like, okay, so you didn't get the write up from the Hollywood reporter or whomever that you wanted to. But I'm supposed to now tell my editor, stop the presses so you can shine. Hmm. That's crazy to me. It, there's there's so, so much being a black writer out here on these streets. I tell you, uh, Jerry, you're right. We could probably do it. <laughs> I, I look at somebody like Jerry and I'm like, a lot of us come with the intersection of having great musical knowledge. Because we, a lot of us, if it wasn't for hip hop, as crazy as that industry is, we wouldn't be where we are. Hip hop right. Opportunity, hip hop allowed us to make the mistakes, you know, to be young and learn on the job, and 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 it's rough. It was rough sometimes, especially being a woman. But 
it did help mold us and it did tell us that we can make a career in this thing. So I think a lot of times when we have things like the bullets, when we have things like a TJ Adams and Method Man and the list of that who are now acting, we're coming within with a wealth of knowledge, especially and including Will. Like here's a little story. I went to Will Smith's 24th birthday party. I have the invitation. I have the pictures from the party. Heavy D, Kumo D, the whole situation. That's a whole nother show. I'll tell you how I got invited to that. But the point is, I got the backup. So I know overbroke Will. Not Hollywood Will. I know overbroke Will. We used to go to crazy parties and all this other stuff. So that's the point of entry that I come into when I talk about Will Smith, the art, the growth, you know, uh, this clean, polished image that he wasn't always, you know what I mean? And it's because of my background in music. These are wealth things that we bring to the table, but you want to run to, to, to an organization, an outlet that doesn't understand this individual's background that only once polished well. Mm. That's true. Well, Mary and Katya, thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time to discuss King Richard, <sighs> this controversy, and just, I don't know, like I, I've been, Jerry and I have these online conversations, and I'm just like, I just really feel like my exit <laughs> plan <laughs> for 2022, I, was like, I don't know if how much I could say Black film criticism on Twitter, I just can't, because they were just making my pressure go up this past weekend i'm like and it's only guys it's only november this thing is supposed to be going until april we're going to need an IV. oh no (laughs) i can't (laughs) so katio can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find your work um you can find me at katia k-a-t-h-i-a underscore woods on um, social media, everything is the same. You can find me on my site, couplesocial.com, where um, I talk about a lot of work that doesn't get mainstream love. And um, I appreciate so much being here. I'm such a fan of both of you. And it, this has been really fun. And I'm glad that we got to talk through yeah. the craziness and bring some sense to it. Hmm. <laughs> and Jerry, where can people find you on social media? Where they can find you? Sure, um, at JL Barrow on Twitter and Instagram. And you can, if you want to really check out my most recent work, go to Fathers Who Father on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, check check those out. Great. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.